the Art of Leadership Network. Study well the thing you're doing now, and I'll come and snatch you when it's time, right, for the next day. You don't have to push it or press it. Like that lady said, um, she says, God will be the one to promote you. You don't need my help. God will do it anyway. Welcome to Leaders in Living Rooms. I'm your host, Sean Morgan, bringing you access and insights to leaders and their stories. Hey, podcasters, before we dive into today's episode with Sam Acho, I know you're looking forward to that. He's going to talk to us about NFL superstardom, his influence with ESPN, and just life transitions in general, how he's handled that and stayed Christ-centered and humble. But before we dive into that episode, I want to talk to transitions leaders. The majority of our audience has been involved in leadership transitions in the local church. We have a ton of content on this podcast and about 10,000 hours of my life and learning around leadership transitions has now been put into a course called The Art of Pastoral Succession that I am kicking off with Carrie Newhoff. You can find that course at theartofpastoralsuccession.com. And about a third of that course is for outgoing leaders to help understand the trajectory and the role that they can play for a solid and healthy transition. And about two-thirds or maybe even a little more of that course is for incoming lead pastors. You're a new lead pastor at an established church. These seasons of transition involve so many things that life and leadership prior to these moments, didn't prepare you well for? How do you lead with elders that somebody else hired and a staff that somebody else hired? Culture and expectations that have been set by others. It's a very tumultuous time and it is very strategic to the health and impact of local churches around the world. So if you're one of those leaders, I would encourage you Dive in to the Art of Pastoral Succession at theartofpastoralsuccession.com. I hope that is a genuine gift to you. And here we go with Sam Acho. All right, podcasters, we're welcoming Sam Acho back to the podcast. Sam, it's been a little bit since you've been on the show, man. You have been through some crazy transitions of life, and I'm so excited to have you back You had a book out back then. You got another book coming out uh, real soon in 2023. So I'm super excited to talk about that and just to get caught up and share the conversation with our friends, man. Welcome back. No, it's good to be back, Sean. It's been probably about two years since we were last connected and so much has changed in that time. And I'm excited to, to, to chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we talk a lot about transitions on this podcast centered around pastors transitioning in and sort of leading a church toward its new future. But there's so much in the topic transitions emotionally because you're always leaving something, right? Uh, The start of everything is actually built on the end of something else. And so the mixed emotions of excitement and, and maybe even mourning in there, but man, give us some insight, like NFL to who knows what to now, like, okay, this this ESPN season, I can't tell you how many times I'm walking through uh, sports uh, restaurants, sports-centered restaurants, or even just airports. And I'm like, oh, there's Sam on the, on the TV, like doing another ESPN thing. And it's like so incredible. So talk Talk us through like, wow, NFL comes to a conclusion, what, about 10 years in the NFL, uh, incredible career. 
and then you step into the great unknown. Give us give us an idea of what that's like for you. And I want to talk about the family a little bit in that too. Um, can't wait to hear about that. Well, inter- interestingly enough, before we pressed record, you were asking, man, like I thought you were moving to LA last time we talked. Where do you live now? We live in Chicago, but you're right. Because the last time we, we chatted, I was in Los Angeles. I just finished up my NFL career, played nine years in the NFL, four with the Cardinals, four with the Bears, one year with Tam- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was right before the COVID season, right before Tom Brady got there, who talked about transition. That's another one we got to talk about. I've been on, on TV. Talk, we'll talk about it later. Uh, tweet me about it. And I didn't know where I was going to go, nor what I was going to do. I was auditioning in so many way- ways for Fox. So Fox Sports, they have their work FS1. And my brother, who had played four years in the NFL, and he went to Longhorn Network, went to ESPN, then he started going to Fox. Like I said, okay, let me try this TV thing because I love speaking. Uh, you know, I, I love writing. I love like justice. These are some things like whether it's nonprofit or in the business world, right? I have my MBA from Thunderbird. So I love these things, but I didn't know what I wanted to do after a nearly 10-year career in the NFL. So I said, I'll give this TV thing a shot. So I was auditioning for Fox. And while I was auditioning there is when I actually first got my offer from ESPN. Interestingly enough, about a week or two before that, I was in a huge moment of flux. I was at this conference with some young leaders and honestly, probably people who probably listening, people who are pastors of churches and trying to figure it out and all those kinds of things. And I didn't know what to do. And a friend of mine, or one due to the conference, was like, hey, man, it sounds like you want to be closer to family. And my family was in Texas, or a lot of my family lives in Texas. It sounds like you're super connected in sports and TV. Why don't you just go and move to Austin and start with the Longhorn Network? Well, selfishly, uh, I'm, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm an achiever and all the things. I was like, no, I want to be the biggest, the baddest, the best. When they actually pared down all the pieces and thought about it, all these ideas made perfect sense. My parents and siblings live in Dallas. My wife's family, a lot of her family's in Austin. We'd been separated for a while. When I say separated, like, you know, we'd been living in Chicago and the rest of our family, my wife and I and kids are in Chicago. The rest of our family is elsewhere. Yeah. It was time, you know, we have four little kids at home. Maybe it's time to move. And so he said that idea. And initially I was thinking, well, Longhorn Network, I want to be at like somewhere bigger. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I, I got out my phone. I texted a friend of mine who had been reaching out to me for the better part of the last decade about coming on board with Longhorn Network. And I was still playing. And I told her, I said, hey, her name is Andy. I said, hey, Andy, I'd love to do some stuff with Longhorn Network. I'm ready. She said, all right, sounds good. Let me know when you're, when you're ready and when you're serious. I was like, I'm serious. I texted her back. And so she said, how about you come and audition? So long and short of it is I went and auditioned for the Longhorn Network. I didn't even do like a big, the biggest, I did the spring game. The spring game. I was a sideline analyst, a field analyst for the spring game. I, would, I did pregame and postgame for the spring game. And I, it, for me, it was my Super Bowl. Yeah. For me, it, like for a lot of players, it's like, man, let's get out, get out of here, be healthy. For me, it was everything. Because it was a new thing and I hadn't done it. I was excited and had to learn the players and their names and finished that spring game. And I remember reaching out because I'd hired an agent for broadcasting, hoping that he would, you know, send out the tape to whoever. Well, the lady who I knew from back when I was in college, like I said, a decade plus earlier, we finished that event and she said, Sam, that was excellent. Uh, you can reach out to your agent if you want to, but I'm going to make a tape. I'm going to send it to the executives at ESPN and tell them that if they don't hire you, I will. Now, mind you, ESPN is, you know, is the parent company of the Longhorn Network. And so yeah. 
ESPN owns Auburn. And so without me having to do anything, she made this highlight reel, this broadcast reel, and sent it to the executives at ESPN. About a week later, I was in Fox auditioning, and that's when I got the offer. So anyways, I didn't know where I was going to live. Is it going to be in L.A. for Fox? Is it going to be in Bristol or, you know, Bristol, Connecticut is ESPN. So Bristol or New York for for for. ESPN, well, I'd be in Texas. We decided during that time essentially just to stay in Chicago because it's not a, a two-year contract with ESPN. So I've been commuting, right? Anytime you say you saw me on TV, when you see me, I'm usually in, in, in studio in Bristol or in New York doing the show. So that's what these last few years have been. So, okay, I, there's a number of things I want to follow up on just with that. But what I want to talk about, I want to reintroduce our listeners um, when you did your first book, it ended up on the shelves of Walmart. This is an unheard of thing. Oh, Target, yes, for, yes, or yes. Sorry, ta- Target, yeah. Yes. And, um, and it was because you had worked at Target at one yes. point in the, in the past, and you were the type of person that someone was like, I want to like help that person. Like I want to open doors for them. And I'm thinking about the conversation you had that, that night at the ranch in Colorado with this guy who is like uh, speaking into this kind of saying like, man, you know, you ought to move back to, to Texas and, you know, kind of just like the, like, I want to think through this with you and invest this conversation in you. And then now you have this, okay, I'm humbling myself. I'm going to focus on Longhorn Network, your alma mater, right? And, um, and you step into it with a pure heart. Um, it's, it's a person you are at your core. And then all of a sudden she could literally be the type of person that's like, wow, this was amazing. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I'm going to get this guy under contract. But instead she's like, sees something and he goes, I want to help this person out. What's your explanation why things like that happen to a guy like you? Man, that's, Sean, that's what it's been, dude. Like, I, so I was on the phone earlier today, and maybe I shouldn't say this because ESPN people might be listening, but usually how it works at ESPN and, and companies like this, if you want to get, you know, your contract's coming up, you you usually would have interest from other people and whatever. So I've been talking with somebody, just getting some advice. How do you, how do I navigate these waters? And I'm kind of new to this and all these things. And this person's a believer and, you know, follower of Jesus and, and all the things. And she used to work at ESPN for almost two decades. And now she's doing her own thing and consulting. And so I was on the phone with her. It's our second call. And, and before we even started, she said, Sam, I, I was up late last night and I was thinking of what I should tell you or how I should advise you and what I should, how I should help you. And I don't know if she said it was a dream or like something that God told her in so many ways. She said, and God told me, you don't have to help Sam. I'll help Sam. You don't have to do it. I'll do it. Sure. Let him know the ins and outs of ESPN, how it works, but you don't have to help Sam. Let me do that. And that's been the story of my life. Every time I try, even when I was trying to get a new contract in the NFL, I signed a a big contract in the NFL. And my agent was sitting there like, hey, go talk to this person, talk to that person, make this call, make that call, do this, do that. Or you're with the chairman of the team, tell him you're going to leave. And it was like, no, no, God will get the glory. And it's not like I just sat on my hands and did nothing. No, I went deep in prayer. I legit, like I told, we were at, I was on a, a prison, we were doing prison ministry in, at the Louisiana State Penitentiary. And I, invi- I had invited George McCaskey, who's the chairman of the Chicago Bears. And I was going with some other people who I knew. And this used to be, the, the, the nickname of this prison is called Angola because they used to bring slaves, right? African people from Angola 
and made them slaves in this, at this place that used to be a plantation. Hmm. And even though, you know, slavery no longer exists, the remnants of it still exist specifically there. Uh, you could feel it. Like there are even pictures, go to the United, the, uh, United States National Museum of African-American History and Culture in D.C., you'll see pictures of Angola, right? The Louisiana mm-hmm. State Penitentiary, but when they were transitioning from this plantation to now it's a state-owned prison. And I was doing prison ministry there. And this, I know this is a different answer to your question, but I was trying to get a new contract. And I was about to get picked up by the chairman of the Chicago Bears, who he and I formed the relationship. And my agent calls me because it's free agency time. He's like, hey, man, where are you at? I'm like, I'm at this prison. Oh, no, Sam, what's going on? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> um, you know, and I said, I'm about to get picked up by, by George. He's like, George McCaskey? I said, yeah. He said, hey, tell him about our offer with the Seattle Seahawks. That'll really get him to up their offer. I was like, no, God will do that. This guy, he didn't come for that. He didn't come for me to, you know. And so long and short of it was, we, we went, we did our thing. And I did tell, like, there's a pastor friend of mine who came. Um, and we, I told him about it. And he's like, how about you just go to God? Like, take some time and pray about what you want. Tell the Lord what you want. There's a verse in Psalm, maybe it's 1817 or no, 116, I think. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications because he inclines his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. So it's like, God hears my voice. He, he, he inclines his ear to me. So let me ask. And so I remember that night, that was back in 2018 in March. I remember telling God exactly what I wanted, the amount of money I wanted for the contract, the team, et cetera, et cetera. And I committed to prayer. I wrote it down. And, and by the grace of God, the next day, my agent calls and says, hey, I don't know what happened. I don't know who you talked to, but the limit that the bears initially had, so they weren't going to go over, well, they they almost doubled it and they're going to pay you exactly what you wanted. So my whole point is like, God is the one who opens up the doors. Going back to your time with, with my book, my first book being at Target. So Let the World See You was the name of my first book, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And the long and short of it is, I did an internship, I did a storage executive internship at Target when I was in the business honors program at University of Texas. And um, it was a 10-week internship. And to your point, the guy didn't want to hire me because the whole deal was they wanted to hire people who they knew they could keep in the company. And he saw me, he said, Sam, you're a leader. Like you're, 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 gonna either gonna, you're gonna be successful in whatever you do, whether it's the NFL or running a business. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to even give you this internship because it looks bad on me, but I believe in you. And he gave me this stores executive internship where I learned all the ins and outs of the company. I was dealing with like high level, like the head honchos at Target, working on different projects with them. And that guy, his name is Ramiro Munoz. He and I kept in touch over the last, I don't know, 15 years. And he heard, he heard about my first book and I was going to even like pitch him. Before I could pitch him the idea, he heard, he had seen it online or something. He said, hey, how about we get it in every single Target? And I said, wait, what? He's like, yeah. Mind you, my publisher said, it's, it's impossible, Sam, can't happen. Anybody who would ask, they said, oh, sorry, we tried, didn't work. But God did. God made it work. And all of a sudden, boom, it wasn't every single target. So this, that was my first book. This next book, um, well, we'll talk about that later. But that's, that's kind of how God works. You know, he, I love the Lord. He hears my voice and my supplications. He inclines his ear to me. My name, Samuel, means heard by God. I don't think that's unique to me. I think God hears all of us yeah. if we ask. Yeah, well, if you know the story of Samuel and his early days with Eli, you know that 
um, he did recognize the voice of God, right? Eli didn't at first. Eli's like, go back to bed. It was like the third time that Samuel came back, Eli kind of caught on like what was going on. What about the space in between? Maybe it, it might be this season, but maybe it's another season you want to talk about. But when you've you've kind of seen the bookend to this season and you don't yet clearly know where God is calling in the next season and you're in between. Like, what's that been like for you? I, I don't know if it's leaving the NFL and that time before getting started at ESPN or there's other seasons, maybe wrapping up college and not knowing if you're getting drafted. Um, what has God done to draw close to you, to grow you in those seasons? I feel like my life has been those seasons. It sounds great. You played nine years in the NFL. Well, for the most part, those were one-year contracts. Sure, my rookie deal was a, quote, four-year contract, but as we all know in the NFL, it stands for, the acronym really stands for not for long. It's not National yeah. Football League. It's not for long. The average career span is three years. So those contracts, quote, unquote, aren't really contracts. You can get cut at any moment. And so Rookie year, I was a fourth-round pick. There was no guarantee I'd make the team. I had to try to find make the team. Second year, all of a sudden, I'm the starter. I'm the guy. We had we, we got a new coaching staff after that year. Coaching staff. And so all of a sudden, they cut half the team and brought in their own guys. Third year, I break my leg. I'm out for the season. Will they bring me back? Fourth year, I come back, and I struggle that year. I was playing injured. And now I'm a free agent. And season ends December 31st or December 30th. Now it's a little bit longer because the extra game. And from that time until March, April, every year, I did not know where I would be. Specifically the last like four of my career. Like with the Cardinals, I kind of had an idea because I, you know, I got that starting spot and man, I think I'm going to be, but I did not know. It was a one-year contract with the Bears. One-year contract, one-year contract, even the multi-year contract. I signed a two-year deal. At that time I told you in Angola, well, I got cut after one year because I tore my peck. Not for long. And so my life has been this story of transition. And I feel like I've learned how to be comfortable in those times, but I really don't know how to do well in the times when things are really kind of smooth sailing, autopilot. I don't, I don't, I'm not used to that. I'm used to having to like rely on the, on, on the Lord and pray and ask him for wisdom and guidance and understanding. But I'm not used to, being like, okay, we're here and being content. Mm. It's usually, okay, what's the next thing? How come, you know, I want to really get to this level. Man, that person's doing all these things. When can I get there? I, yeah, I had some conversations. You know, they, they just hired uh, the CEO and, and, and president of the Chicago Bears. And early on, and I haven't shared this with a lot of people, but they had the, they hired a search firm and cast a wide net. And I was one of the people that they initially had reached out to as far as a candidate for this. And I remember seeing the guy, like, like it's, I'm entrenched in a great job that I love, but there's like, man, what if I could go do this? What if I could, wow, crazy, how amazing, you know? And I'm not saying those are bad things by any means, but what I am, I am saying is like, it takes time. It takes time to learn and to be calloused and to grow and to have experience. 
to do the things that I think God has us to do. Whether it's speaking, writing, experiencing things. I, I, my time in the NFL helped prepare me for ESPN. And I'm sure my time now doing ESPN and I work with a multifamily office called AWM Capital, helping athletes think about wealth management and, and impact and, and human capital. Um, I'm the director of human capital there. Uh, I, I partner with organizations like International Justice Mission. Like all these things, God is building my resume, even in the ups and the downs. And I get so caught up in, man, well, what's going to be the next thing? Sometimes I forget, no, nah, man, like, Study well the thing you're doing now, and I'll come and snatch you when it's time, right, for the next mm-hmm. thing. You don't have to push it or press it. Like that lady said, um, she says, God will be the one to promote you. You don't need my help. God will do it, and he will. And How old are you? 34. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible to think about. You've, you've been through so much. Um, and I think God always uses each season to prepare us for the next. And obviously, professionally, you know, you have what it takes. Um, it's so cool to see all that happening. But I, I'm just curious, like, how do you, are you, do you feel like you're somebody who's in touch with your emotions naturally? Do you need, like, really quick? Or do you need time to process? Does, do you have to work through that with, close friends to be, to really process those things. Cause that's one thing. Part of your story is like, it's, it's like adrenaline and it's roller coaster. And I think oftentimes I don't, you said uh, achiever. I don't know if you know Enneagram sounds like a three, maybe that's the Enneagram three personality trait. And a lot of times with threes, I know because I am one, you get such a rush out of accomplishment and achievement and the next higher goal um, and some way of measuring progress that you can celebrate, even if nobody in the world notices. You're like, yes, that was progress. See, that the last thing we're in touch with is our emotions. And like for me, like I meet with a counselor regularly. My wife helps me sort of lean into some things when she sees stuff. Uh, unprocessed within me. I'm just curious for you. um, Is that natural? Is it dependent on others? I don't know, because I think at my core, I'm, you know, high, highly in touch with my emotions, right? Emotional intelligence high. But then over the years, I kind of learned how to disassociate that from what I was doing in my profession. So in football, especially at the highest level, doesn't matter how you feel about something, you get it done. Doesn't matter what a coach says to you, you get it done. Listen to the message, not the messenger in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And if you take yourself out of that, you're like, hold on, but your, your messenger could say the message in such a better way. I mean, like, you're going to cuss me out to get the message across. And better yet, like, and I won't, if you want to help me to be my best, that's not my method. That won't help me. Right. Show me you're in my corner. Show me you care for me. Show me you're for me. So it wasn't until later in my NFL career that I got reacclimated with myself, with my emotions. That was the first book, Let the World See You. How to be real in a world full of fakes. I talk in that book a lot about my emotions and, 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 and finding those, rediscovering those and, and letting the world see me and the benefit that came from that. That was then. But then now in this new book, right, change starts with you. It's almost this idea like 
in the, the subtitle left, following your fire to heal a broken world. Like, okay, boom, now that we've got in touch, right? I, I went to counseling as well, and I'm still working on talking, working through some things and talking to people on working through things, right? It's like, now we know who we are, how do we follow that and ignite that and go there and do those things, right? I talk a little bit about uh, after George Floyd was killed and like the pain, the frustration, the doubt, the fear, all those things that a lot of the me and some of my teammates and other athletes felt. And for days, dude, I wept. Mm-hmm. Talk about being in touch with your emotion. I wept. I was sad. I was dejected. I wept. And all of a sudden, that water seemed like it became like the fuel, not even the fuel, but it just helped like prepare things, the dew in the morning before it was like, all right, it's a new day. It's time to go. And so I would encourage anyone who's like you or like me who loves to tuck those emotions away and keep on going. The body does, in fact, keep the score. And if you don't take care of your emotions, your emotions will take care of you. So to answer your question, at my core, high EQ, but I've learned in so many ways to hide it. And now I'm on this journey of rediscovering me. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, my background is, is military. A couple of days after I turned 18, I was in the Air Force, you know, became a pilot, military aviation for almost three decades. I actually just retired. I don't even know if you knew that. Just retired a couple months ago. Congrats. Um, 26 years in the Air Force Reserve. It was uh, an incredible day. And I haven't had one regret. I have so much peace about um, those years. But I can tell you one of the things that I'm dealing with now as a leader is the way, actually it's the ways, the multiple ways that the military um, creates unhealthy leaders. And one of them is, um, you know, look the part and cover it up and get the job done. And you don't get to reveal anything, any weakness or anything that the, the masses would label as weakness, even when it's not, especially in military aviation. You know, you have to be somebody that everybody else can trust with their life. Um, and that kind of makes sense at the surface, but we're all human. And, and when we, when we go through decades without really processing the toll, I love what you said, the body keeps score. So yeah, you can compartmentalize that and you have to, to get the job done in the moment. Like, you know, whatever, in the middle of combat, that's the thing you've got to get done. Um, but there's also a thing we're, we're realizing called PTSD, which takes a lot of forms in life, but we all know about it mostly because of combat veterans and the mess <laughs> that is left behind, right? Um, emotionally. So I think that's one thing for me that I'm really trying to dedicate this season to is just like, okay, am I aware? And how do I become more aware? Can I be um, aware sooner? And how can God work in that? Because God has worked in you to do amazing things, but a whole nother side of that is your being, right? Um, not just your doing. So anyway, thanks for sharing a little bit with that. Let's let's do, let's talk about the, the new book out March 7th, 2023. Change starts with you. Follow your fire to heal a broken world. Give us the cliff notes. Yeah, Cliff Notes version is, I mean, I was at a point, talk about transition, middle of COVID, 2020, 
Am I playing? Am I not? Sports are canceled. I'm in Arizona trying to train. I'm at an Airbnb because Chicago, where I was living, had to shut down. Couldn't go to the gym. I'm lifting outside with you know these random weights that I had found because all the weights were gone. Like, it was just like, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery is killed. George Floyd is killed. So now you've got like racial tension in America, economic tension. There's COVID. There's no sport. Racial tension. It's like, dude, what is going on? And why? And I remember, like, as, as a black man, as a man of parents from Nigerian descent, but like seeing those images as a human being were jarring. Like, I don't think humans are meant to watch like homicide. Like, like it's like jarring. And I remember trying to bottle it in, just like being sad, posting a picture, but oh, well, whatever. And the Lord led me on this, no, I'll say the Lord led me, but I decided, you know, the Lord led me to, to take this four-day road trip. We were going to go back to Dallas and I was in Arizona and we were in Chicago before and we left like right before COVID, like right when COVID started, we left and I was doing podcast stuff and all the things. And then a few months later, we were coming back because my wife, uh, who's from Nigeria, was getting her U.S. citizenship. And during those four days, we family, my wife, my kids, we just took this time. We didn't like rush back to get a flight. No, we just like took our time. And this was soon after George Floyd had been killed. And I remember we stopped in like Oklahoma City and stopped in a few other places. And our last stop was St. Louis. And I remember finally getting in early enough. You know, we're driving eight hours, nine hours a day to just be able to sit down, turn on the TV and just see what's going on on the news. I turn on the news and I see Chicago and looting and rioting and chaos. And I'm like, man, what is going on? in this place I call home. I got a call from a friend who said, Sam, you have to do something. And I'm like, dude, why are you calling me? Like, what do you mean? You're a leader. You have to do something. Use your connections, use your wisdom, use your intuition, something. And interestingly enough, I knew kind of what he was talking about. So I remember driving back that night, maybe it was in, yeah, that same day or maybe the next day to Chicago hop on a Zoom with some nonprofit leaders. And I remember leaving that Zoom and, and just starting to weep. Funny enough, I, I was on that Zoom and we were talking about the city and people were crying and sad and all the things. And I said it and they asked me to pray or say any words. And I was like, man, maybe God is doing something in the middle of the mess. And maybe God is actually up to something. Like, What if God's allowing the city to be torn down like we see on TV so that he can build it up the way that he wants it to be built? What if this city is, in, in fact, in transition? So I remember ending that call and hopping on a podcast with my friends and talking about George Floyd, talking about sports, faith, social issues, et cetera, and weeping on this podcast. Weeping. And I think that was the beginning of this newfound like desire to go and do something. And so the next day, I reached back out to the nonprofit leader, asked what she needed. She said, hey, if, honestly, like you could do whatever you want, but we need people who can listen to our kids and help them process and help them talk about their feelings and emotions and uh, the PTSD that they're going through, seeing people in their community being shot and killed. And, all that. and I remember gathering athletes about, you know, honestly, like two by two, two, from, two athletes from all the different sports in Chicago, Bears, Bulls, Cubs, Blackhawks, White Sox, Chicago Sky. Um, we didn't get the fire, unfortunately, the soccer team, but we sat and listened and wept and mourned with kids from the community, with police officers, 
right? Like it was everyone, it was all of us. And after that, we took a tour of the community. And on that tour, we wanted to see if it was like all the stuff you see on TV, is it real? South side of Chicago, West side. And it was, yes, there was buildings boarded up and glass on the ground. But what we saw was something even deeper. We saw, um, there was, asked Jason Hayward who came with us on that bus. He said, hey man, how many, how many grocery stores have you seen on our time here? He said, maybe one. So how many liquor stores have you seen? We've been on the bus for like five, 10 minutes. How many liquor stores have you seen? He said over 10. So we saw a deeper issue. And so like the long and short of it is we decided to band together and raise some money and turn this liquor store into a food mart um, and to put in this place that was in fact a food desert, to, you know, and, and, and realize that, man, the change we wanted to see wasn't that far away. And so the whole idea, and now, now the kids are running this food mart in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago. It's called, the mart's called Austin Harvest. And uh, they designed it. They brought some, we brought some architects, like it was their thing and they still, and they love it. But the whole point is like all these things that we see that are so broken, what if we could be a part of fixing them? What if we didn't have to just tweet about it or talk about it? We could actually be a, be a part of like, changing it. And it may take mourning, it may take sadness, it may take frustration, but I think we can in fact bring heaven on earth, not just in communities that are downtrodden, but in our families in our relationships with our kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of us have relationships with our kids that aren't really relationships. What if we could actually do the heavy lifting and, and rebuild those? That's what this book's all about. Change starts with you. Yeah, that's moving. Uh, brilliant. So for people, obviously, after it releases March 7th, people can grab it on Amazon and other yeah, places but even, on the show. Yeah, before, but right? Before, it's yeah. yeah, before. It's so, available for pre-order right now. It's on Amazon or go to samachobook.com. You can pre-order it right now. And if you pre-order it, go to that website. You can actually get, you know, the first chapter already. You'll get that. There's some other pre-order offers you get if you order it early. And so um, I'm encouraging everybody pre-order the book and, and start to get a glimpse into what it's all about and start making those changes now. That's fantastic. So um, samachobook.com, pre-order, access uh, some other the resources there. We'd love for you guys to pick that up. Um, two other questions about that. So how can people track with you online? Like where's your favorite social media platform or two start there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So social media, uh, Twitter's at the Samacho, T-H-E-S-A-M-A-C-H-O. Instagram's the same thing. Facebook's the same. Just put in my name, Samacho. Um, and then if you want to connect with me even deeper, just go to samacho.com. The book's there, but also there are different ways to connect with me there as well. That's awesome. And you mentioned speaking, one of the things you love to do. And uh, I know uh, some friends that um, have had you out in NorCal speaking and you've been yeah. to many other places. Do you have a place where if somebody wants to see what your speaking schedule looks like, if you're within a drive distance or something? What Absolutely. Would they, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So just go to samacho.com. Again, there's a tab right there that says speaking. It talks about where I'm going to be at and what I'm doing, different events. And also, if you want to, to book me for speaking as well, that's yeah, that's my passion. You know, obviously I love ESPN. I love um, all the things I do, but speaking is where I really like, I think it's where I really shine. Yeah, I do as well. So Sam, it's always great to get just caught up. Um, you know, people didn't see it, but uh, you got to meet my son. My son got to meet you a few years ago and it was so cool. Sam, before we recorded, Sam was like, hey, let me, let me catch up with Aiden. And Aiden came in here and got to talk with you a little bit. It's a beautiful thing. And it's just like, oh, there's so much joy in uh, wonderful people and you're one of them. So thank you so much for uh, being a great friend. Thanks for being on the podcast and leaning in with some of these thoughts. Thanks for being an author and just going there deep from the heart for the world to see. It's awesome. Appreciate oh, you. 
Thanks, Sean. Wow. You can really sense Sam's heart, his humility in how he lives, uh, just the fabric of who he is and how he lives every day. So thankful to Sam. I hope you'll hit him up. I hope you'll pick up his new book and hit him up on social media. He's, he's one of the great ones for sure. It's a privilege to have him on the show and share it with you. Thanks again to our sponsor, Food for the Hungry at fh.org. Wow. Leaders, thank you so much for tuning in. We are just blown away by all the things that you guys tell us that this is doing to grow you and develop you. And I'll tell you what, if you feel like this is growing you as a leader, as a person, as a pastor, we would be honored if not only would you continue to listen, but if you would subscribe, if you would get on social and say something so that the people you have influence over can see the ways that this is benefiting you and that they would check us out as well. That would mean the world to us. Thank you so much for listening.